Bibles to Matthew chapter number 14. That's what the message is tonight. How, how, is, how are we going to do that? Good question. Thank you for asking it. Let's get into Mark chapter, uh, I'm sorry, did I say Mark? Matthew, Matthew chapter 14. Let's begin with verse number 22. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. <clears throat> and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the even was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And you know the story. We're going to get back to this in just a little bit. But let's stop here and see what happened as the Lord sent the disciples into a storm on purpose. And they were rowing against the wind. Couldn't do it. I mean, it was a hopeless situation. How are they going to survive this? Lord, thank you so much for this example that we're going to be getting to in just a little bit. But Lord, we see this over and over in the word of God that you actually put people in situations that are impossible. And it's for your purposes. To show your power, to show your ability, to show you've got things under control. You really do. Lord, I pray that as we are facing different things, and we we're talking about finances, I know, Lord, and different things in the church, but there's individuals that have some things they don't know what to do because they're, they're supposed to do something or they're required to do something, they're required to put out, and they can't. They don't know. They don't know how it's going to be done. If we follow you, we don't know how we can accomplish those things. Lord, I pray that you help us to understand and to see how you work with us, how you work with this church, how you work with your people. Lord, I pray that you bless in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll, we'll get back to Matthew 14 in just a little bit in this story. But back in Mark chapter 16, I'm going to give you a, a couple of illustrations of how that the Lord does that with throughout the word of God. Puts people in a situation that is not hard, not difficult, impossible. Absolutely undoable. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is the Great Commission. It's also stated in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. How are we going to do that? If he's given that church of, you know, in the book of Acts, the beginning of the book of Acts is 120, right? 120 in the upper room. 120 uh, church, member, ch church members, and he says, reach the world. The whole world. <laughs> How? Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, this is what he says to that early church. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. How are we going to do that? Lord, you want us to do that? That's the command. That's impossible. How can we do that? We're just, there's no way. But he's, he's asked us to do that. Matthew chapter 12, look at this, verse number 10. Behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day, days and that they might accuse him? Okay? His hand was withered. It was crinkled up. He was not able to do this. Got it? It was withered. Okay, so his hand was withered. And verse 13, Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. 
Now, wait a minute. He can't do that. It's withered, okay? <laughs> it's a withered hand. He's not been able to do that all of his life, born that way or whatever. He, he has a withered, he cannot stretch it forth, and Jesus has stretch it forth. How's he going to do that? Well, look what happened. The Lord asked him, stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it forth. And it was restored whole like as the other. <laughs> if the Lord asked me to do something that I can't do, has he ever asked you to do something that you cannot do? It's impossible. It's above what you, you're, it's possible for you to accomplish. He has me. You know what? I'm kind of like the children of Israel and these others that say, Lord, how am I going to do that? I don't, I can't. There's no way. Speak to the to Pharaoh and, the, and each, I can't do that. I, I, I just, 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 just stutter. <laughs> and the Lord says, no, you're going to do that. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 16. Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. How, Lord, how are we going to do that? How are we going to feed 5,000 plus, that's men, but then with women and children, 12,000, let's say, on that hillside. How are we going to fit? How are we going to feed 12,000 people with one lunch? It's impossible. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show unto you today. For the Egyptians, whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Now, wait a minute. When the Lord says to Moses, what are you crying unto me for? That means, and it's not in the text, because you you're not going to read it there, because it's, it's not recorded. But obviously, Moses said the same thing. He said, in that Charlton Heston voice, stand still and see the salvation of God. Watch what God's going to do. And he turns around and says, God, what are we going to do? Because that's what they were saying. Moses, you brought us here to die. Well, what are we supposed to do? And he says, oh, watch, watch God. But then here, when, when the Lord says, wherefore criest thou unto me? That means Moses turned around and says, God, how? Well, you, you said you're going to save us here, but we're at the sea. There's no way out. There's, it's impossible. What do you mean go forward? There, there's no way to go forward. But he said, go forward. The Lord was addressing a very real problem of Moses, crying out to God in the same vein as the Israelites were complaining to God, verses number 10 down through verses number 12, because they were saying that. He would be asking the logical question, and it's logical how. God, you want us to do this. How is this going to happen? How? How can we go forward? It's impossible. It just doesn't make sense. In each of those biblical instances, men were asked, asked to do the impossible. Not the hard. Okay? You understand that? It's not like it's a really hard thing for them to do this, but God asked them to do it. So you know, extra effort. Right. Extra effort. Just walk into the sea <laughs> and drown. No. It's impossible. It was, it was not hard. It, it was the no way this could ever be accomplished stuff. And that what we started with in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship <clears throat> and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Did Jesus know there was a storm coming? Does he know everything? Did he... Did he 
stir up the, the waves and the wind? I don't know, but he knew they were going to be facing it. He sent them into the storm. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to a mountain apart to pray. And when the even was come, he was there alone. Everybody else is on the ship, and they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, going across. <clears throat> but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. <laughs> Anybody know what the Jesus Christ lizard is? You, you heard of that? Anybody heard of the Jesus Christ lizard? It's a lizard that has these big feet, and it, it, it's a very, very quick. It just, man, it goes. And it's so fast, and the, it'll show it in slow motion going across water and using its feet as like a pontoon, and it actually skims the, the top of the water, you know? That's not how Jesus went across the water. No, no, he was walking on the, the water. Jesus Christ lizard. <laughs> anyway, so, but that's what it says. It says that the Lord, uh, where, is, where did I end up here? Verse number, uh, verse 25, he walked on the sea. Verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Why did he say that? Because a person can't walk on the top of the water. Not unless it's the, the Dead Sea. Man, I was at the Dead Sea, and you, you bob like a cork on top of that thing. If you've ever been there, you know, you all hear that. You, can, you will not drown in the Dead Sea. I don't care what happens. If, if you, you get thrown into the Dead Sea, you just turn around on your back and you can breathe because <laughs> you're not going under. I tried, when I got into the Dead Sea, I tried to get all the way under the water. I couldn't. <laughs> One time I, I actually, I just, you know, but then I'm bobbing up again like a cork. It's crazy. But that's a dead sea. If it's regular water, like the Sea of Galilee, where they were, or your swimming pool, you cannot walk on water. You can't, nobody can walk on water. What in the world is coming? It's dark. Maybe they see the starlight or moonlight, and, and uh, they, they kind of make something out. What in the world? And they're afraid, and they're crying out for fear. Verse 26, verse 27, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he, Peter, walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come to the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. What a story. We're so hard on Peter saying, yeah, he sank. Well, actually, he walked a little bit first before he sank. Did you ever walk on the water? Did I? No. Uh, and you know what? Both people are that way. They're very critical. <laughs> They're armchair quarterbacks, going to tell Peter what to do or how not to. You sank because, well, whatever. Jesus asked Peter to do the impossible. Im Folks, we, we got to get this. We got to understand. Impossible, not the hard, the impossible. 
the unbelievable. Jesus didn't ask Peter to dig down deep in yourself and pull this unrealized potential out. You can walk on the water. No, it was the, the unattainable, the unachievable, incredible, absolutely hopeless, utterly ridiculous for anybody to ever think that this could happen. It was impossible. Jesus asked Peter to do the impossible. And Peter did it for as long as his focus was upon Jesus and his presence and, and his request, his power, the Lord's supremacy. He was actually walking on the water. He did the impossible. <clears throat> Every time we symbolically look at things in the rearview mirror, we're compelled to conclude that God's presence was with us and that he did miraculous things through us. How, how in the world did I get through that trial? If the Lord helped you through it. How could we afford to, to build this church when we had nothing? I mean, we had nothing. We, we got into an um, asset lending. That's, that's what it was called. We had nothing, went to the bank. We said, uh, these are some blueprints of what we'd like to build. We have nothing in the bank. We have nothing, but we want you, bank, to loan us money to, for us to build this thing. Then after it's all said and done, it's going to be worth more to you. It's going to be worth more to everybody than what we've uh, borrowed because we're doing the work ourselves. And so, therefore, it's a good deal for you. And they said, yes. What? <laughs> That's what happened. We, we didn't have any money. I remember talking to some of the folks back then, and they, they got really upset when we purchased this property because they said, Pastor, it doesn't matter. Any way you cut this thing. We don't have any money. It'll take years and years and years and years for us to save up the money to actually build something. And there, there's, it's never, we're never going to see anything on that property. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to. And I, I remember talking to those people who were logical, saying, yeah, I know. Preacher, how are you going to do that? Uh, you know what? If the Lord wants a building here, he's going to have a building here. Uh, there's, there's, look around, there's a building here. <laughs> I think the Lord wanted it. You know why? Because he wanted for us to do the impossible. And sure enough, he did it. And every time we look at stuff like that, we're, and, and what the Lord provided or what the Lord did through us or for us or whatever, um, how could, I, I remember that time that we were <laughs> in this, uh, garage. It's the first thing that we put up before the, this building. The, we put up this garage, and uh, the the county asked for the garage to have this big wing wall right in the middle of it, and we didn't want a, a wing wall in the middle of it because we were going to be using it for a church. We were all going to be in there seated as much as we can, and a big wall right in the middle of the platform where the platform would be. We didn't want that, and so uh, didn't actually need it for the structure, you know, and so we said, well, no, we and uh, they said, well, the, no, this, you got to have, you know, it's a garage, and this is what a garage is. I said, yeah, but it's going to be for a church building, and so we don't want this wing wall. But they said, no, you got to build this wing wall. And so we're putting the thing up. And so here we go for that last inspection. We <laughs> the guy that was the inspector, he, uh, he was, I mean, he, he uh, looked behind every piece of drywall and he, he counted counted the nails and the screws everywhere That's, and he would he'd spend an hour and a half counting nails and then you know well you got this right and and, and boy very very meticulous and and uh and so 
we're, we're ready to put the drywall on and we had that wing wall that they had us build up and we were gonna take it down. And so the next inspection would have been the final and then we get the clearance and whatever. And so I told the guys, take down the wing wall because we're just gonna, we're gonna, you know, uh, drywall and we need to have it done so just take down the wing wall. And they said, Pastor, how's that gonna pass inspection? And I said, uh, I don't really know. But it's something that we, we're not going to use, and we're not going to use it, and so just, you know, it's going to be much more for us to do that, so just take it down and see what happens. <laughs> that morning, the, the guy came to sign off. This is the last thing. He was going to sign off, and the, the, the last inspection, he comes in there, and <laughs> he took the... He took the, the um, clipboard, and I'm telling you, he take an hour and a half and count nails and do this and do that. How is he going to miss that the wing wall is gone? You know what I mean? So anyway, he comes in there, and, and he didn't look around. He didn't do anything. He says, where's the, where's the, the uh, paper? Where's the, the, the uh, final? And I, I got it to him. He didn't look around. He didn't count anything. He didn't do anything. He took his pen, and he just scribbled his name on it, and he, he didn't give it to me. He threw it to me. And then he ran, and I'm, I'm going, what in the world? And then he gave us the final, and he, he runs <laughs> to our porta potty out there. <laughs> and I had the, I had the, the final, you know, so got signed off. Okay, let's paint now. <laughs> God in the Old Testament, you used hemorrhoids. In the New Testament, you could use diarrhea, I guess. So, I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, I'm just saying that, you know, when, when God puts us in situations and he wants to go, us to go forward, then, you know, we just say, okay, we'll, we'll just, yes, sir. How did that plan ever work? How did, how did this, you know, when you, when you decide to, to go for God and you step out for him, how, are you gonna, how in the world are you going to tithe? You know, if you remember before you started tithing, Christian, if you're tithing today, before you started tithing, yeah, Brother Ron's going, yeah, I remember that. I remember you talking about, you and Tacey talking about, how is this going to work? There's no way. There's no way. How can we do this? Well, let's just trust God. You know what? That's been a long time ago, and God's blessed you, hasn't he? I can't figure out how. I don't know how. I can't figure it out. I don't have a clue how things ever worked out, but they did. God came through again. And again, and again, and again, God did what he promised he would do. He says, go, just give, just participate. I will do the rest. I will take care of it. You just do what you're supposed to do. After going through this annual business meeting the other Sunday and over $1 million spent, you got to look back and wonder, how in the world could we have done that? Over $100,000 to missions this last year. How in the world, how did that happen? How did the Lord bless when the forces of hell have raged against an organization like this? Oh, you think that attack is not real or dialed into this church? Excuse me, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle, now when it says wrestle, that means contend. That means conflict. That means opposition. That means, hey, trial, battle. 
For, uh, we're, we're at the forefront of the battle, the, the front lines. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And don't you think that Satan wants this place to be squelched? Don't you think Satan wants this place to be eliminated? He does, folks. He does. And he always works against it. And he has whatever, whatever uh, uh, means that he has to, to his uh, uh, availability. The battle is hot, devastating, real, and it's vicious, folks. The landscape that we live now in is the battle, battleground of the God of this world. 2 Timothy 3, verse number 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. I like how Paul says this. Know this. This is absolutely sure. You, you're going to face this. Perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitor, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Folks, this is certainly where we are. We're right in the middle of that kind of a, a landscape. What chance does a, a church like this that preaches the word of God have in, a, in, in that kind of a surrounding? And we're seeing the naive being led astray one by one. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their, their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And folks, that's what we're, we're battling with all the time. A move away from preaching to teaching, from preaching to palatable. I'd rather have palatable. From the unvarnished truth to popular, from solid to wavering. But you know, we've come through. We've taken our shots as a church. As, and there's been setbacks. There's, we've endured enemy shrapnel. Yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding? Yes. We've come through with the encouragement of the Lord, with a trophy case of divine fruit, advancements, gains, how? How? I don't know how. But the Lord says, move forward. What is God asking from us this year, in 2020? Well, I think he's asking us to grow. Grow in faith, in finances, in your faithfulness, your fidelity to the, to the house of God, in numbers, in witness, in spirit. God, how are, how are we going to do that? How can we accomplish what the Lord wants to accomplish? How are we going to accomplish the impossible? Three things that Peter did with the Lord, three simple things, and we'll be done. Number one, listen for his bidding. That's what he did. Matthew 14, 28 in our text. Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. If it's you, then call me. Listen for his bidding. You know what Jesus said? Listen for his bidding. I cannot overemphasize this. This is not, a, folks, this is not a deep message at all, but it's the truth. Listen for his bidding. Yeah, God bids his servants to do wild and crazy things sometimes, but so does the cuckoo clock. <laughs> so do the voices and the heads of crazy people. <laughs> the other day I was here in my office is at the close of a service and some nut came in and, and was, you know, pounding the walls and cursing and, and talking about this, these 
voices in his head saying, kill people. And I'm, going, I'm getting a little bit, uh, you know, unnerved. I'm saying, where are the deacons when I need them? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Alex was around. He, he, you saw what was going on, right? And he kind of stepped out. Amen. He said, soldier. <laughs> I know I got my back there. Anyway, hey, you know what? You, there, you got some cuckoos that are around that hear voices. You know what? I'm not talking about that, but you, you want to know something. Sometimes what God asks you to do doesn't make any sense at all. Not any sense. Move forward. There's a sea there. He says, move forward. When he, when he asks us to do something, it, march around seven times. Why, God? How is that going to do anything? He just says, do that. He says, tithe, and I will bless you financially. And he says, how, God, how is that going to happen? Well, don't try, don't try to figure it out. It's crazy. But you better be able to tell the difference between craziness and, and his bidding. Listen for his bidding. That's what Peter did. He said, Lord, if it be you, bid me come. And he listened, and the Lord said, come. Yep, that's him. That's the Lord. Listen for his bidding. Number two, respect his bidding. <clears throat> I could see the other people in the boat. <clears throat> hey, wait a minute, Peter. What are you doing? What do you think you're going to do here? Are you nuts? Don't you know... Uh, the, that the boat friends of his discouraged him, <laughs> you know, Peter, no, that's, yeah, that's crazy. But you know what? I think they discouraged him not because they were trying to hurt him, but because they loved him. They didn't want to see him hurt himself. Peter, you can't swim. <laughs> He's saying, the Lord said he wants me there. So <clears throat> listen, respecting the Lord's call is to honor it, to cherish it, to believe it, to prioritize what he says. Respect that bidding. <clears throat> Many other voices will be calling out different instructions. I love this passage of scripture. It illustrates this. Acts chapter 27, verse 11. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. <clears throat> Paul said, God told me in a dream, if we go, if we embark, it's going to be too much hurt. Let's not go there. And so here's the centurion who had the... He had the, the, the power to say yay or nay. He was the one that controlling that expedition. And he heard Paul said, God said no. Now the owner of the ship, I know this, I know this place like the back of my hand. I know these, these waters. I've been sailing this for 20 years. I know what's, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We're, we're, and so the, the professional, the owner and the master of the ship, the professional said, no, this is fine. God said no. The professional said yes. Well, who do you listen to? You know what, the, what it says? Uh, he, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than Paul. It's not like he didn't believe Paul, but he believed the, the, uh, the other advice more. He respected it more. He, he counted it more. He honored the, the other opinions. <clears throat> there are always experts that are going to try by their experience by human accolades, with our personal success or whatever, to tell us how to do things. It's the more than challenge. Who are you listening to in your life? Are you paying attention to the others or God? Respect God's word more than church growth gurus. You know what? I'm cutting out a whole bunch of this stuff that I'm going I'd like to uh, deal with tonight, but you know, we don't have time. We dealt with other things, so we'll go on. We gotta, we gotta trust the word of God, His instruction more than pinhead psychologists that will tell you. You know what? They'll, they'll, they'll tell you, and this is what they say: that this is an authoritarian church. What, what does that even mean? Authoritarian church. This is our authority. We all recognize that. Your preacher recognizes that. I, I submit to the authority of God's word. 
And if that's an authoritarian church, well, then good. But they, 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 they talk about it like a, like a cuss word. Well, yeah, you know, you, you either listen to the word of God or a psychologist. More than political pundits. More than the spiritual, financial, and educational counselors of the world who criticize the word of God. Figure out, first of all, listen for his bidding. Number two, respect his bidding. And number three, do his bidding. Real deep, huh? <laughs> verse, 14, uh, verse 29 of our text, Matthew 14, 29. And he said, come, the Lord said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. Just do it. Do it. Don't worry about figuring things out. Just do it. Trying to figure out how to tithe is a futile effort. It doesn't work, man. It just doesn't work. Figuring out how to witness. <clears throat> just do it, guys. Just give your testimony. I mean, that's so powerful. Your own testimony. One of these days, I'm going to learn a, 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 a Bible course on witnessing, and then I'll be able to witness it. No, just, just do it. Sacrifice. Just do it. Read through your Bible this year. Just do it. Develop a spiritual aptitude. Just do it, folks. If Peter tried to figure out how this thing was going to work out, how? Okay, Lord, you're asking me to, to walk to you on the water. Uh, I don't understand this. If he, if he tried to get the why or how in this, he would have he never got out of the boat. Never. You know that. He, just, he heard the Lord. He listened for his bidding. He respected his bidding. And he just did his bidding. That's it. And then it's very important to keep your eyes on the Lord. <laughs> Peter learned that. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, beginning to sink, he cried. So how are we going to move forward this year? How am I going to progress in my walk this year? How am I supposed to give victory? Listen for his bidding. Respect his bidding. Do his bidding. Hey, folks, that'll work, you know? Let's do that. Every head bowed, nobody looking for just a moment.